pull the ego away from the decision-making process. I've had lots of decisions that were the wrong decision because I was solving for my ego and not for what my heart actually desired in the long term. What if there's rubies and I like rubies and I like having rubies and, and gold and some diamonds and, and why would I just want gold? If you want to be successful, in my opinion, figure out how to make other people be successful. All right, welcome everyone to this episode of Build Stuff, Be Kind podcast. We have the incredible pleasure of chatting with Cortland Brady, uh, a five-time founder, entrepreneur, builder of multiple businesses, two-time uh, exits, currently building, uh, looks like a number of businesses. We'll 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 get into kind of the details of of that but really excited to to chat with you today Cortland and hear really about your story and your journey and and uh what you are all about thanks for having me excited to be on yeah you bet you know when i um looked at the kind of details that you provided uh and your experience and the, the thing that stood out to me most is you put one massive failure. So I, I figure we might as well just jump right. I've had many a failure in my life. So I think a, a good place to start is let's, let's dissect that a little bit. Uh, what, uh, what is this one massive failure that, uh, uh, that you shared? Yeah, I raised a bunch of capital hired a team, fired the team, gave back the original investment and uh, took a bath on a six-figure loss because I didn't want the investors who were good friends to, to uh, wow. not get their money back. So they didn't get, they didn't get uh, a return, but they didn't lose their money. But I lost a, a ton and, and lost the team. So that's it in a nutshell. Wow. That's, and how, was, how long ago was that? That was that was eight months ago, so fairly oh, wow. recent. So, recent, dang. Um, fairly recent. It, it, I I don't know what the the full details like how how much of the details um, we want to go into, but what what prompted or was there something that that like signaled like oh this isn't going to work out or maybe a path that that you just didn't want to go down that, that really made you make that decision or, you know, what prompted that? Like, okay, we gotta, we gotta back out of this. Yeah. So, um, first there's nothing confidential on, on okay. the interview. So feel <laughs> free to ask whatever you cool. like and go as deep, as deep as you'd like. Great. So the background story is I started a company in 2017 and uh, we built that up to about 60 employees. Uh, we now have um, team members in 10 different countries. We work with a few hundred banks throughout uh, Canada and the U.S. Um, appraising collateral, appraising assets. So buildings and construction equipment, manufacturing equipment for these banks because they own assets through throughout the world. Mm. And we built this software in 2019 that allowed us to do these inspections remotely. And so we wouldn't, what the competition did is they would receive a request from the bank. The bank would say, 
or and, and the competition would then say, okay, we need to inspect 50 semi trucks in Florida. Well, we don't have a person that's a mechanic in Florida. So we're going to fly somebody out there and inspect these trucks. Mm. Long turnaround time, varying degrees of quality because mechanics are doing regionally based and these banks mm. are lending to throughout the, the country and, and Canada and Mexico and Europe as well. And getting differing degrees of quality, differing turnaround times. And so we built this technology and said, similar to FaceTime and pre-COVID, there was no like, like Zoom calls weren't a big deal. I don't think people remember like totally. whatever side the tech we're using to do this. Oh, for I'm sure. I guess you did it. Like everything has come out of this virtual <laughs> world post-COVID. Yeah. So pre-COVID, it was pretty cutting edge. And we thought, what if we can figure out how to do remote inspections so that we can have mm. a, a mechanic in their PJs in Southern Utah yeah. doing a video call with some Uber driver that we can pay a few bucks wow. to in Florida and have a high degree of quality on that inspection. Then you can inspect mm. an asset in New York, Florida, California, and in Cancun all in the same day with the same mechanic or the mm. same small group of mechanics that are all internally yeah. trained and return the reports back to the bank. So we built this technology and it took a couple of years and we called it go video. And it's, it's one of the strategic differentiators in our business is that, yeah. that we are some other competitors have started building it, but it's so tricky to, there's no app download. There's no login. It's just, just mm. browser to browser, peer to peer on any device. And so we built this technology and fast forward to uh, a year ago, I hired a president for that company. And I think entrepreneurs, um, you get to this point where you hit a certain amount of employees. For us, it was like 25. Well, yeah, 25 employees. Like I have no idea what I'm doing. So I went and got, got not the education, but I surrounded myself with entrepreneurs, hired a business coach, got the consultants, read the book. Yeah read the books over and over again. Mm -hmm. And, and then we got to another like break point of we're still growing, but we're still not making any money. So I need somebody different. So hired an MBA who was just phenomenal, had, had gone and taken companies from where we were at to over a hundred million in revenue. Mm -hmm. And that was the goal for us. So I brought this yeah. guy on and he came on as the president of the company with the intent to manage specific roles and me still be the CEO. And as time progressed, he kept taking more and more of my responsibilities, not like stealing them from me, but hey, Kurt, yeah. I could help with that. I could help with that. Yeah. And me seeing he's executed on these better than I am. So fast forward that to eight months ago, we thought, man, we could really go and start another company because the president, David, is, is running Aspen and... Um, I can take this software and there's some banks that would like to license our software. They don't necessarily want to work with us and have us perform mm -hmm. the inspections, but they want their bankers to do these virtual yeah. video calls. And so I went and raised half a million dollars. We hired the team, all the developers and got two and a half months down that road and realized there's just some key ingredients missing. Part of which was my alignment with the vision of the company, which I think founders mm -hmm underestimate yep. how they will change. Um, and so had the conversation, Hey guys, I know we've put our blood, sweat and tears into this, but today is our last day because every day we move forward, it's just costing mm. more money. So, yeah. um, called up the investors and, and that's, 
no matter like what successes you've had in the past up to that point, building companies, hiring people, crushing goals, it doesn't matter. Like I call those the fetal position in the shower moments because regardless of what you've done up to that point, it all just goes out the window. You're like, I suck. I I screwed this up so bad. Here's these people that have been overworked, underpaid for months and months. And here's this vision and this dream. And they're I've sold and that I've sold them on because I'm their CEO and I'm telling the story and the investors as well to say, Hey guys, we're, we're done. And uh, yeah, that was the big colossal failure. Wow. I mean, so many, so many thoughts running through my mind. Um, you know, when you, I think going back, uh, in the process to hiring that president and leveling up and, and doing those things, um, and, and that kind of imposter, maybe it was imposter syndrome, but that, that feeling like, okay, I need to level myself up. I need to have this growth was there something that that triggered that decision or that really drove you to push yourself to that next level? Yeah, I I think I'm a big proponent of meditation and self-awareness. Mm-hmm. And to say I'm a self-aware person is like not, you can't say that, right? You can't say like, I'm a humble person. It's like, <laughs> yeah. <PS>, yes, like <laughs> in the fact Unless that you're, you're saying v. that, you're you're not self-aware. You can self-aware, yeah. I I seek to be um, self-aware and to and pull the ego away from the decision-making process. I've had lots of decisions that were the wrong decision because I was solving for my ego and not for what my heart actually desired mm-hmm. in the long term. And I think there's there's owners and there's operators. And I I always go back to this analogy of. Uh, Columbus. And I don't know if he sailed for Portugal or Spain. I don't even know if they know. They probably both claim that he's he sailed mm-hmm. for them. But I think that you have this idea of as a founder, you're Columbus and the king, like right when you start your company. Mm-hmm. Totally. But then you get to a point where you realize, I have some responsibilities as the sovereign ruler of this nation that I need to be here doing some certain things, but no one knows who the King of Spain or Portugal was in 1492. We all, the whole world knows who Christopher Columbus was. Mm. And so what happens is entrepreneurs want to be the sovereign King, run the nation and have the power like Columbus died poor but they also want to have the fame and the glory and be remembered the ego driven thing of totally. I discovered this, this new thing. And so I think there comes a point where there's divergence, right? You've created a kingdom and you also have the next thing you want to explore and you have to decide which one do I want? It's very, very rare that an entrepreneur can go and be a Jeff Bezos and mm-hmm. scale a company from garage to, to yeah. fortune one or fortune five yeah that doesn't often happen because we're wired for for starts or wired for scale yeah. and you have entrepreneurs that can't scale their business because when mm-hmm. it starts getting traction they start the next thing the next thing the next thing <laughs> that's how i'm wired yeah and you have operators like the president mm-hmm. of my company that is wired for scale from three yeah. million to a hundred or five to a hundred million 
And that was a decision-making change for me. I knew what I wanted and I wanted Aspen to continue to exist. And I wanted to go and conquer the, the new land. That's what was attractive. The next thing. Yeah. I think that's such a, such a compelling point you make of you, you, you're an entrepreneur, you see problems, you want to create solutions, you see opportunities, you, you want to create those opportunities, you want to find that next thing. And someone, I, I can't even remember where I heard it or who shared it with me, but this idea of like, you know, in your business, you, you start digging for gold and you find it, you know, you find, you dig in this hole and you find some gold. And instead of just like, let's keep digging down here. It's like, well, what if there's some more gold over here? Let's start digging over here. And that's a hard, I mean, I'm, uh, what if there's rubies right there and you. I like rubies and I like having rubies and, and gold totally. and some yes. diamonds. And, and yep. why would I just want gold? A hundred percent. It's it's a challenge that I think all entrepreneurs kind of have to come to terms with or find that balance or build the right team around them. So And the, and the money is to be made in after you find the gold going deep. And that's why you have so many entrepreneurs bouncing from thing to thing to thing that never actually like, oh, like they never made it because yeah. they bounced. But that's in our nature. That's how we were able to find the gold in the first place. And so that was my totally. solution to be able to bounce to the next thing was to mm. find the guy who does know how to go three miles deep when I went 50, 50 feet. Yeah. So what, um, what, I'm going to ask a few questions about it, but what, what was your overall takeaway from that experience? What, what do you feel like is the biggest thing you learned uh, over these last eight months, or I guess since starting maybe the last 12 months of leading up to that decision and, and to where we are today? Yeah, I think two really big takeaways. Um, the first one is it's okay to exist temporarily in a purposeless state. And as entrepreneurs and driven people who demand a lot of clarity of themselves and their future selves, like I know I read my letter to myself that my future self wrote to me and I read it every single morning because I know exactly what my life is going to look like. And when you get something for me, it was bringing somebody on that, could do a bunch of the stuff that I could do. I found myself in this state of I'm not needed. This looks different, even though it was a great different, right? Totally. Who wouldn't want to have a company that they own the majority of that's being ran by somebody else who's better at it than you are. Like it's the ideal totally. situation. Yep. But I think it's the same advice that I've heard with people when they exit, when they say, what do you like, what's the best advice you can give me for investing this money? I just, just had a 50 million, hundred million, $200 million mm -hmm. exit. And they say, let it sit in your bank account for a year. Do not touch it. Mm -hmm. And I think there is some wisdom in that to say, I don't know what Dang. the next step looks like. But my personality, I like went inward. I had to find, not inward in a good way, but like inward of like yeah. grumpy, reclusive, um, moody, all of those things mm -hmm. because I was no longer needed and didn't know what was next. And so um, so that's the first part. And it, goes, it segues into the second part, which was 
me talking to people and say, hey, guys, I don't know what's next for me. Uh, what are some opportunities? And them saying, well, you should go do this. And mm. that's not me dismissing accountability for my choice to go and start no, this totally. thing. Because um, I own that. It was my decision and, and I was mm -hmm. the guy. So full ownership of that decision and the outcomes that came from mm -hmm. that decision. Yeah. However, it was prompted by me asking because I didn't have clarity and I usually make decisions. We're entrepreneurs because we feel pulled and drawn to something and there wasn't anything yeah. I felt pulled or drawn to. I listened to what other people said I should be full, mm. pulled to and went down that road. And when I, when I mentioned it at the beginning of the podcast that there was something misaligned with me and the vision of the company, I don't wake up. I love people. I'm so stoked about people and I mm -hmm. want to figure out how to democratize success and make everyone in the world successful. So it's not just the, the few, like love that. whoever actually wants it, I want them to have the ability to get it. And there's millions or billions of people who don't have the opportunities and experiences that I've received to mm -hmm. be where I'm at, to be on a podcast like this. Like I, I did some stuff, but I had so many opportunities that were presented to me that allowed me to yeah. do those things. Totally. What I'm not driven and motivated to is how do I digitize assets faster and <laughs> develop this technology and yeah. allow banks to decrease their turnaround time on lending. It doesn't wake me up every morning. Some people it yeah. doesn't and that's fine. Yep. But I think those are my two takeaways. Exist in the uncertainty and be okay mm. with that and lean into that. And then listen to what your gut says. Don't, don't listen to, don't take advice. Dang. Uh, that's such powerful insight of uh, that pause, I think is such a hard, uh, I found myself in a, in a similar spot and, and now thinking back, wish I had that exact advice of like, you know, we sold our brand about two years ago and like, I think I lasted a month, maybe six weeks at home and then got an office at, uh, we work here and just like, uh, I got to figure out something, you know, I got to move. I got to jump in on something. And, and I think giving space for that is such an important move, uh, to reconcile as an entrepreneur, as someone who's always looking for that next thing or trying to push yourself. What um, I think one, one thing you yeah, said like, sparked a thought in me, which is um, for everything, there's a time and a season mm, and yes. the ebbs and flows of life. And as you said that, like rush, probably rushing is how I would have described. Like I rushed to mm. solve for the anxiety that I was feeling and solving for emotions yeah. is almost always the wrong thing to solve for. And, and then something happens when you get a business to a level like this, this is what, what you said reminded me of this. When you get a business to a certain level, when you start the business for the first three years, I literally took $0 out, not a cent, yeah. a cent in mm -hmm. distributions or salary, nothing like it's the, it's yeah. a story that every entrepreneur tells. And then you yeah. have this and, and you're also putting in 80 hour weeks and yep. putting, pushing hundreds of thousands of dollars into the business. Mm -hmm. And then there's something that switches, which is, you're putting in less hours because you've found the people that are more capable to you and you're actually mm -hmm. making money. And there's this huge internal struggle to exist in this new space. Yeah. But that's the next season. And it's similar 
an analogy I heard recently is, can you imagine, like, you're the farmer, you plant something, and then you wait all this time, and then it produces, and, and you, you, heart, like, you, you weed it, you, you, you nourish it, and it produces this fruit, and you feel so bad that it produced this fruit. Like, you're so <laughs> guilty that you watered it and, like, all of the stuff. Totally. Struggled, um, yeah. Yes, but it's just, I think it's leaning into the season and loving. I'm in grind season. I'm in harvest season now, and I'm going to be in grind season again and loving those seasons and being okay with whatever one you're in. Yeah, that's that's huge. What do you feel like you learned about yourself the most through that? I think I learned that I spent a really hard truth is what I learned. I spent seven years building this company in an attempt to feel enough and feel accomplished. And I got to a checkpoint. It's not the finish line. There's never a finish line. But I got to a checkpoint that I had been wanting since I could remember, since I was a little kid, this point of um, what you call financial freedom. And I realized I was the exact same person. I had all the same insecurities. I had all the same demons. I had everything exact, all the same quirks, all the same. Everything was the same. Nothing was different about my (laughs) life. And... um, that checkpoint was underwhelming. And, and so mm. I, I hate like the, I've always hated enjoy the journey. Um, <laughs> so, so I won't say you need to enjoy what you're doing. And I also won't say only do what you're passionate about because having gone through that grind now allows me to do every single day what I'm passionate about. Yeah. Um, I haven't finished that learning. That's just the first, the first step yeah. that I need to continue to chew on to find the conclusions that are coming from that. Because I don't know if I would have done it differently, but I did yeah. learn that about myself. Yeah, I am a. I've constantly had this ongoing relationship with the idea of perspective. I think. I'm a, uh, my background's in photography and, and videography and, and so looking through a lens and, and just how you frame a great photo, you know, depends on the perspective you have and, and what you're willing to, you know, maneuver through to, to capture an image in a way that speaks to something. Right. Um, I'm also, uh, you know, uh, um, a member of the LDS faith and, and have a strong relationship with, with God and, and the parallels of perspective there, his ultimate perspective. And then also going through challenges and, and things in business, you know, there's, um, you know, even talking about battle and warfare, if you have higher ground and higher perspective, you can see things in a different way and attack them, uh, you know, in a way that's more beneficial 
what perspective do you think you'll take forward from this experience or, or how will you utilize this knowledge and, and increased perspective that you've gained through this process uh, going forward in, in this business or in, in future businesses? <laughs> I, I, I hope to not make similar mistakes. I think the perspective that I take away is in addition to the things that we've talked about is the phrase, what got you here is not going to get you there. I've just come to learn that I can't ever be stagnant. That's probably the new perspective. It's like, I never got it. I never nailed it. I never have the perfect routine, have the perfect business model and to love love that change instead of before I think the perspective was get to this point and then you're mm. good. You're in this state of all your nerve on you. <laughs> yeah. yeah you, you've done the meditation hours and now you have the financial <laughs> aspect there. Like you're, you're mindful yep. and, and financially secure and that is just not true. Like it doesn't, mm. um, you still only have the present moment and have to deal with everything that the present moment holds. Yeah. I love that. So let's uh, thank you for, for sharing that experience and that process. And we'll, we'll probably still kind of uh, build on that. But I want to shift gears into the successes and the wins and the, the knowledge and, and really dive into, you know, all the decisions that got you to this point where you could choose a path that, that led to this ultimate failure. But, but, all the things that are still, you know, this business is still successful. It's still growing. You've, you've founded five businesses. You've had multiple exits. I, I, I want to talk about the core values that really have gotten you to where, where the successes are, where the wins are, where the growth of, of even, you know, getting to the point of hiring. A lot of entrepreneurs can't even make that decision of, hey, I should hire someone who's better and more skilled and you know, they, a lot, a lot of times we want control or we think we're better at everything than anyone else can ever possibly be. So let's jump in on, on the win side and on the successes of the businesses that you've built. What has motivated you and what's driven you most to accomplish the success that you've had? I want to make other people successful. Hmm. I want to create 50 millionaires. I also I want to make that. it keep, keep the money at the same time, mm-hmm. but they're for sure mutually inclusive, not exclusive. Yes. Hmm. What do you think is why, what, 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 what drives you to, to really bless the lives of, of others through the things that you're building. I've been given opportunities and experiences that otherwise would not have been available if people wouldn't have provided them to me. And Mm -hmm. it's made all the difference in my life. And it felt like a duty um, first when I realized that, that I needed to give back. And now it feels like a privilege because you can't give without receiving more. And I mean, I have, so I have a couple of partners. There's, there's president and and he, he's phenomenal. And, and 
his right hand man and um, my co-host on on our podcast, which we love to have you on, by the way, is uh, Let's do it. Let's do it. is our our head of growth. And recently we were talking, I was like, dude, the only thing better at an exit than going and buying a Porsche is if you can go and buy a Porsche with a couple of your other buddies, because they also no, like, no. if you have a hundred, totally. <laughs> there's this point of diminishing returns where money is yeah. not going to serve you. So yeah. That's, yeah. Let's that's win together. Way. No doubt. Yeah. yeah. I love, I love that. I, I, uh, I, I feel very, uh, a lot we're just meeting today on on this podcast but i've gotten chills multiple times of just your presence and and the way that you speak to this um opportunity you have this this path that you have to create opportunity i i feel very similar that so many opportunities and blessings and skill sets that that i have that that drive me to create opportunities for others. When you talk about, you know, having this win with friends or with founders or partners, how do you make sure that you align yourself with the right people, the people who are aligned with your core values that they want to win together that aren't, you know, the person that wants to, maybe extract from the business or extract from um, what you are creating for themselves are there. Do you have structure around hiring and your team building and the partners you bring in, or is it something you really lean on your intuition and your gut to, to find those people? Both hiring is the, the number one most important metric for any entrepreneur in any business is what percent of their core team are A players, meaning they're high performers and embody the core values. You give me any other metric, like what's your gross gross profit, what's your, your delivery time, what's your error rate, all of those don't matter to any degree until you've got the right people in the right seats, move the company forward. So hiring is, in my opinion, um, the most important thing. And I think it has to be for me because I think I'm smart enough. I'm never the smartest guy in the room. I'm smart enough and I'm extremely hardworking. So because I'm not this quant that can see the future and analyze the markets and develop this technology that's going to go be revolutionary, revolutionary, I have to surround my pe- myself with people who can do those things. Um, totally. So yes, there's a process. And then there's also intuition. I always listen to my intuition. Whenever anyone gives you advice, like a Frankenstein advice from mentors and board <laughs> members, like paste it all together and discard the stuff that doesn't fit your intuition. Yeah. So our, our hiring process comes from the book who, which talks about top grading and it's six pages of in-depth questions. I have, um, Carlos, who's our head of growth, I knew extremely well and got to see in a different setting before I hired him. So he didn't go through that process. Yeah. Uh, the president went through about 12 hours of interviews and question asking. And then mm. this new company that I started, um, I had a, a five hour single meeting, like in the day we went from, from like <laughs> 11 to four with no breaks. 
wow. like go get a drink, but no lunch or anything. Yeah. And, and went through the same structure and the structure is to first ask a couple really deep questions. So we start out and it goes through this in the book who mm. we could say from zero age zero to 18, what were the highs and lows of life? Like kind of get into somebody mm. with that. And then from age yeah. zero to 18, what were the experiences and who are the people that shaped how you see the world? Like you start getting into who they are wow. as a person totally. and then you go through every single job and you ask the same set of questions, which uh, I won't go through all the questions, but things mm -hmm. like, Tell me about your biggest win, your biggest loss, knowing what you know now, what would you do differently? Who is your manager? Can I contact them? What will they say your biggest strength and your biggest weaknesses are? What was your boss's biggest strength and what was their biggest weakness? Why did you leave this job? How would you rate yourself scale of one to 10? And as you do that for every single job that they've had, you come back and you see little patterns of like, oh, they thought all of their bosses were really difficult to work with. Or they thought all of their bosses were fantastic leaders and communicators and gave really good feedback. And you see these patterns like, oh, those are the things that I'm going to want in my business. And I judge that person based on the skills that they're going to bring to the table because you could hire somebody that is a great fit on a core values perspective, but they're just in the wrong role because they don't have the skills and yeah. you didn't test them for the skills. So totally. what's the skill set? And then what's the core values? And we have four core values, integrity, extreme ownership, seek discomfort and invest in others. And we compare them against those four. And the most important rule with hiring is if by the end of the whole process, if they are not a heck yeah, then they're a no. So mm. if they're like, yeah, how was Love it? That. Like, oh yeah, they're pretty good. Or like, they're good, totally. but I'm going to look at this other candidate. Like, no, yeah. no, no, we're not looking at any other candidate. If, if they're not good enough to hire as a heck yeah, like you would aggressively move towards hiring this person, then we're not going to hire them. And, Dang. and even if we hire two people for the yeah. same job, if they're heck yeah, I'll hire both of them. Like give me cool. more A players in the company. Yeah. I love that. How did, how did you arrive on those four core values? Was that, uh, you and team or, 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 uh, what was the process of like landing on those four core values? I'm, I'm a big reader. So all my stuff is not original. It just comes from no, like, good. there's a book called scaling up great book. Mm -hmm. It talks about how you pick your core values and how you judge against them. And nice. it talks about how core values are not aspirational. It can't say we want to build stuff mm -hmm. or we want to be kind. Yeah. And so we're going to set this as a core value and go there. The process that we went through is we asked everyone to write down who the five people were, if they were going to go start an Aspen. So our company is called Aspen. If we were going to go mm -hmm. move five of our people to Australia and start a company, which five people in the company would mm -hmm. they take? And then we asked them to list all of the core values of those people. And then we took all of those core values and put them on a whiteboard and then started grouping them of like, what is us? Dang. And there's a, a brand called Seek Discomfort. So we're like, yeah, yeah everyone, a couple of people in our company wore that brand, loved it. Love so that. that was one of them yeah. that embodied. And then we had um, Extreme Ownership. We love that book. And so that's like our company book. We had already had it as our company book. So you put it up there. And, so good. And that's I actually just uh, listened to the audio book. So good. Um, yeah, that's just that process of involving the team. And I think it's such a... Uh, a beneficial way to arrive on those core values because now they're not just words. Now it's not just like, I feel bought in to them more because of that process. And I'm sure, you know, team members and people that come in like, this isn't just random words that we arrived on 
this there's a process and a lot of thought and energy and and discovery put into choosing these core values and i love that you talk Uh, about core values and culture because the phrase culture eats strategy for breakfast has proven mm -hmm. to be true in my experience and so we've put things in place where we have weekly one-on-ones with the managers Mm -hmm. and they're asked what's your self-assessment on these four core values and quarterly reviews where they're bonused against those things. And then we have four core values. There's four quarters in the year. So we'll do one core value every single quarter. The invest in others we always do in Q4 because it's around the (laughs) holiday season. And so it's like it overlays perfectly and we get people stoked. And what we did this last quarter around Mm -hmm. Christmas time is we did, we did bonuses, but we made them a little bit smaller and, and made up for it in a gift card that they were responsible to spend on a charity of their choice and then share that, that giving that they did. And we got mm. these stories back because we have people in 10 That's different it. countries. It's like we went and bought a soccer ball and a pump for these kids that were playing with like the most ratty soccer ball you've ever seen. And you yeah. should have seen how their faces lit up. Or we found like this oh puppy on the side of the road. We rescued it. We got it at shots. Like the extreme effects of, value add to humans lives which ends up becoming coming all the way back from the team members to the customers to the investors is can't can't be overstated yeah wow that's that's incredible um i love i love reinforcing core values or meaningful in 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 application and in learning and, and applying that core value of of uh like passing along, I'm blanking on exactly your phrasing. Invest, um, investing in others. Invest, invest in yeah, others. investing in others and allowing people to, to embody that is such a cool, cool way to reinforce that and build that in. That's um, uh, the other cool thing about it is that um, that wasn't my idea. I hired a person that was better at that stuff than me instituted it mm-hmm. and then i got to see the effect of it like it, it wasn't it's not court show it's yeah like the aspen team of these phenomenal people and it's never it's not it's not mine it's like i'm not doing it it's a phenomenal team that's doing it and mm-hmm. bringing about all these i love these that. positive effects that's amazing what what are things that you are seeing as opportunities going forward and, and continue to grow your culture and grow these team members, grow these businesses. What are some things you are really motivated to push forward or grow into or expand upon going forward? So you're talking about me specifically or me in terms of Aspen? Um, I think you in terms of Aspen and the business, but, could also be personally really yeah and in, in i guess whatever either whatever comes to mind whatever you okay. feel like kind of pops into mind out of both of those sure. yeah so i'll go on my personal business my next step because my involvement now in aspen is very limited because i have the right people in the right seats um, cool. and they're doing doing the right things so what we talked about earlier is as an entrepreneur, we're always coming up with new stuff, new stuff, new stuff. We don't need new core values. We don't need new processes. 
we need to say these things so many times and ingrain them into every aspect of the business that we become yeah. sick of saying them and sick of writing them. And that's when our people start to hear them and it actually mm -hmm. breaks through the surface. So um, there's not like a new initiative. It's rinse, repeat yeah. over and over and over and over again, because that's the winning. We already came up with the winning model. So we're not going to go and reinvent it. Not that we're not going to look totally. for continuous improvement, but we don't need a fifth core value and we don't need to eliminate one and put another one in. That's who we are. As yeah. far as me personally, um, I'm starting another company. That's what my, my MO is. And um, I think you get to be um, more choosy your, your next time around. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. When you're first starting off, it's kind of like, what is what's, what resources can I actually find is available to me? And I think your next time you don't yeah. have to, you have to have urgency, but um, I think you get to, to hire more mer missionaries versus mercenaries. I think when you're first mm -hmm. starting off, you do actually, you might not be able to get to the beachhead without the mercenaries hired. But then once you're totally. there, then you can say, oh, I'm only going to bring on missionaries and be hire mm -hmm. and hire people and be surrounded by people that are deeply passionate about the mission of this business. Yeah. So that's what would be next. Yeah. Being, uh, being more so what I, what I'm hearing is being more selective, being more intentional, being more, really being able to live those core values from day one. And, and not to say that you weren't embodying those, you know, when you first started Aspen, but there definitely is um, a space where you can allow yourself to position your decision, position, position those core values in this next, business that you're starting from the get-go that yeah when you're just like in the mode of i always like describe it as like grab a hammer and just start pounding on stuff you know we're building a ship or we're building a house like i don't know just pick something up and, and you start hammering it out but when you can really start to get those specialists and curate what that um experience is going to be like it's it's just a whole different, like you, you touched on multiple times, like that evolution, like you're in a different phase, a different stage. Now, how can you apply all these learnings and push forward in a new way, a new business? Is it a business adjacent to, or, or completely outside of, uh, the, the value proposition that Aspen has? Yeah. It will assist Aspen and it will be a B2B cool. business. So its purpose is to align the individual, to align the collective need of, of an organization. So business needs certain things and individuals want and also need mm -hmm. certain things. And totally. when you start a business, those two things are perfectly aligned. The what the entrepreneur wants and needs <laughs> and what the business wants and needs is perfectly aligned because the totally. entrepreneur hundred percent of the business, mm -hmm. but then you yeah. have, here's what the business needs on this line. Mm. And then you have somebody that has some personal desires that mm. are like that, not quite aligned. Yeah. And then you have some other self-interest or what is somebody naturally good at? And so you have yeah. this organization with all these variables of people driven by 
what comes easy or what's going to move their personal self-interest forward, which is what they should be like. That's the reason we started a company. I started a company because I was self-interested. So there's no problem with that. Yeah. So the goal is to say, here's what the company needs. How do we change? How do we bend that line? So all the people that are off can get equally as excited about exactly what the business needs and not Mm. just what they want. So it's, that's the that's the next business. It's a software consulting cool. uh, company. We started forty days ago, and just um, a couple oh, yeah. couple hundred users using it. And so, yeah, we're Dang. off off to the races. That's exciting. Well, well, congratulations, and and I'm sure a lot of this experience and and knowledge. I think it's uh, you know when we have. Uh, successes as well as failures. It's always an opportunity for learning and growth. And, and uh, it's very clear that you take those opportunities to learn and grow even in the midst of failure of what can I, what can I take from this and apply going forward? And that's, um, that's a, a very valuable trait to have as an entrepreneur and as a, a builder of business and wanting to have the success and share in that success that, that you've uh, spoken to. Uh, that's a very good trait to have for sure. Well, thanks. That's kind of you. So we have one final question that we ask all uh, guests on the show. Um, what role has kindness played in building your success? Such an interesting question and such a great question. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you read the book Radical Candor? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the the premise of that book is that somebody that challenges directly, even if it's an ex- in in an extremely unkind way, is liked more in the long term mm-hmm. and does more good than somebody that cares deeply but does not not speak directly to you, does not challenge you directly. Yep. So I will remove, remove myself from the business standpoint. I think it's actually a, obviously those things aren't mutually exclusive. You could, the ideal is to mm-hmm. challenge directly and to care deeply. Yeah. I feel that if you can only do one, you should better challenge directly or else your business may not be around to do either one. And hopefully you learn how to care deeply as well. To go back um, maybe 12, 12 years, um, well, growing up, my dad was in a wheelchair. When I was five years old, he was a, he was a, an eye surgeon and broke his neck in a four-wheeling accident. And so for the rest of my life, he passed away two years ago. And for the rest of my life, it was normal routine to um, help my dad get out of bed, help him get back in bed. Like he could use his arms, but not his hands. Um, and mm-hmm. he can speak and breathe. And so helping him eat, helping him brush his teeth, all of those things. And so life became precarious in that 
Like that's not an easy way to live. <laughs> and there's a lot imagine. of challenges wow. that come, come along with it. For me, it was normal. That was just growing up. However, there were always times where, because there wasn't excess funds, that I would see people in my neighborhood. Somehow my parents figured out how to keep us living in great places with being surrounded by great people. Um, but often those, oftentimes those people or relatives are affluent and would go on trips and do things that we didn't have opportunities for. And so repeatedly over and over and over again, I would have people that would reach out that there's a guy in my neighborhood that I loved basketball. He'd wake up with me at 5 a.m. in the morning. We'd go to the gym together and shoot hoops because my dad couldn't do that. Hmm. There's a family member that wow. um, paid for me to to go to um, to Hawaii because all of my other cousins were going for a family vacation. There's a guy that um, paid for me to go to Hong Kong and visit him because just because of kindness. And wow. I think how that is related to success is the greatest. If you want to be successful, in my opinion, figure out how to make other people be successful. And so if you can leverage the kindness that you've received and figure out how to pay it forward, you can do it for a selfish reason to start with or an obligation like mine felt what like, but then it will turn into a privilege and just fuel like this virtuous cycle of attempting to provide opportunities and experiences that will just pay you back. And it's not always money, but like in yeah. it'll pay massive, massive dividends. So that's how I think it's how the greatest impact is. It's given me drive to go and and help bring others along that path of success. Wow. That's incredible. Thank you for, for sharing that experience. I can only imagine the, the challenges of, you know, the, your father's accident um, and all the things that come with that and then receiving that kindness from, sounds like a lot of, not necessarily strangers, but, you know, people who who saw an opportunity to serve and, and acted on it, which is really cool. And I know we're at time, but I think we, if, can I add oh, one more thing? I've, I've got, yep, I'm, <laughs> I'm good. Let's, let's go. I, I think we underestimate, um, my life could have gone in a very, very different direction. If people wouldn't have taken the time to say, Hey, Courtney, you want to go to lunch or to give me opportunities and those experiences. But because of what's been able to be done through Aspen, we're literally employing people in 10 different countries for rates that are far greater than they'd make in those own, their, those countries. They're mm -hmm. furthering their English skills. Some of them are moving to the U.S. Like the, the small kindnesses. Wow. So I love that it's build stuff, be kind. Like those small things that we do over a long horizon, if you can lengthen that and have a, a longer perspective as you talked about and say, what is this going to mean 100 years out is overwhelming the amount of good that some small actions of, Hey, let me pay for you to go on this trip or let me take you to lunch totally. or let me make you feel heard when you're not feeling that way. Hmm. Yeah. I think that's such a powerful way to think about things. That's, I love that you uh, brought up 
going back to, you know, the conversation around radical candor and, uh, you know, there's this idea of kindness is seen as a weakness or too nice or you're too. And I think there is that where it's like, uh, and this is part of the reason of having this podcast and this conversations is like, for me, you know, growing up, always wanting to be kind and, and helpful, but also, uh, falling back more on the uh in radical candor where she talks about like people like holding back the, the feedback or the criticism or because of wanting to be nice or not wanting to create confrontation and i think that's a journey that i've been on um for the past five or ten years and, and continuing to push myself is is that like radical candor that kind candor that ability to be kind and supportive and helpful but but also be bold and i have two boys a two-year-old and a four-year-old and wanting to find that balance to teach them that kindness is a strength and and kindness is a powerful thing that shouldn't be overlooked or, or um, that we shouldn't aspire to have it, but there is a way to be bold and kind to be candorous and kind and to, and to be direct and clear with who we are and what we stand for and what, you know, opportunities there are for, for ourselves and others to grow, but to do it in a way that, is is meaningful uh and also that you touched on this simplicity i've had uh, a few people ask like build stuff be kind of such like a i kind of get it but it's so like simple and basic like couldn't you call it something a little more creative or but it's like purposely simple you know if we can find those simple ways of building intentionally and and being kind with intention, I think it, it creates such a incredible path, uh, in our lives. Totally agree. Hmm. Well, dude, this has been a, a, a real pleasure, uh, to chat with you and, and to hear your story. Um, and, and now, you know, knowing more about your, your personal story and your personal journey and how impactful those acts of kindness have been in your journey that now that has compelled uh, you to create opportunities, to create wealth, to create success stories for others is such a uh, inspiring story. And I appreciate you sharing that with us today. Thanks, Sean. Thanks for giving me the opportunity to, it was fun. Yeah, man. Appreciate you. Well, thanks to everyone who's tuned in as well to this episode. Um, we will link uh, uh, to all of Cortland's um, profiles so you can find him on LinkedIn or uh, on other platforms and uh, stay in touch and in tune with, 
I'm excited to follow along uh, the journey on the the next chapter and and all the things that you will continue to apply going forward. Thanks, Sean. I do push out. Uh, one of my missions is again to create the 50 millionaires. So I push out entrepreneurial content every day, uh, not on every platform. LinkedIn's like oh, yeah. once a week, but the other platforms. Yeah, tips, what's, tricks, what's the stories, best experiences? What's the best platform for people to to find you and follow along with that? Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn. Cool. All of it. All of it uh, okay. Great. If I could be helpful for anyone, feel free to message me on there, and and uh, I, I I will respond. I'll I'll help out whatever I can. Awesome. Appreciate you, dude. This is this has been a good time. Thanks so much. Thanks, Sean.